is that that uh, and not just for numbers uh not just so we can uh, say we have this many but literally every seat that is filled is another life that has been changed by the love of Jesus Christ and ultimately that should be the identity of any church is that we are reaching people in our community and that's exactly what is happening as our our pastor and the leadership Felt the vision that, okay, now let's step into an area. And you know what? Sometimes that's, that's uncomfortable. I, I was telling my mother-in-law this morning on the way to church, I said, uh, you know what? When, when you see, because as an evangelist for 21 years, I've had the chance to see a lot of churches, thousands of churches around the world and hear their stories and, 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 and learn from those, uh, decisions. And I was thinking about this that, uh, when we take these steps of faith, that it, it may feel like, man, this is going to really stretch us. I remember one of the churches that I attended when I was uh, just out of Bible college. And <clears throat> what uh, the decision was made was that we were going to literally move properties. We we're going to build a whole new property about 20 minutes away from where the church that had been there since the 70s, I believe. And so the, the new place got built totally in a new area. And so the last Sunday uh, in the old church, I think they were running around uh, 300 people. And literally in one week, moving to the next location, uh, we had 800 the next week, the first week into the new place. And so it was a huge step of faith, uh, totally changing locations. And literally we grew 500 in one week. Uh, So... The idea is that when we take these steps of faith and we say, okay, let's have two services. This is going to be awesome. The fact of the matter is, is, is God wouldn't have led pastor in this leadership to do that if God didn't see what he was doing is going to be needed to open up that whole new service. And so I'm excited as my wife just leaned over to me. This is awesome. I mean, this is nine o'clock first service and look at this place. This is uh, amazing. So thank you. I, I know that God wants to do something, and I know that uh, the 11 o'clock is just going to be an amazing, amazing time. Uh, uh, real quickly, before we jump into the Word, just want to uh, share with you, because there's so many new people coming all the time, and you may not know me, but this is my church. I attend here. You see my wife often uh, here on the worship team, and uh, but as a full-time evangelist, we're traveling around the world. I'm up to 55 countries, uh, 45 of the U.S. states. And uh, the incredible opportunity that we have also is to do a lot of international events. And I, there is a little Ziploc bag that I carry in my computer bag everywhere I go. And, I mean, literally around 3 million miles that I've traveled as these last 21 years. And there's a few things that I've been given over the years. And I came across that bag the other day. I was going through my computer bag that I travel with. And I came across this, this little metal, and it's about this big. Uh, the story behind that is what makes that medal so special because a lot of times when we see evangelists, we see people travel around and speak that maybe we don't understand the, the one-on-one impact stories that literally encourage me uh, because of the amount of time that we invest in traveling. And that little medal was a grandmother that was raised in the country of Latvia. Now, if you were like me, when I got my first invitation to come to Latvia, I was like, where's Latvia? 
And I'm sure you're doing that right now in your mind. Where's Latvia? Is that a country? Is that a city? I mean, is that a county? Is that on the other side of Pennsylvania? I mean, I don't know. Latvia. Uh, Latvia is uh, up there by Lithuania and Estonia. Uh, very, very northern, cold climate. And uh, they were uh, overwhelmed by the communists for many, many years. For decades, they lived under the communist rule. And because of that, there was just this, this distaste, uh, this distrust in society. Neighbors would tell on neighbors. And you always felt like somebody was spying on you. And so those people find it very difficult to make big decisions and trust anyone. And we were doing a soccer salvation camp and a crusade. And this grandmother, her grandson was in this camp. She had never been saved. She never went to church. Uh, I, I believe she was in her late 70s, early 80s maybe. And at the end of the crusade that she came every night, God radically touched her and changed her and saved her. And literally, if there has ever been a moment that had a true impact upon uh, the potential of what we do through soccer salvation camps, it was the moment that I realized that God could reach a grandmother that had been raised in communism. And really, one of the most humbling times was this when this incredible woman came up to me, having just experienced that forgiveness and that love that overwhelms you when you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. And she's like, I've got to give you something. And I wanted to give you something that is so special to me because I never want you to forget a grandmother and her grandson that you came halfway around the world to Latvia and to our little town so that Jesus Christ could reach me before I die. She was on the championship basketball team of Latvia in 19, I think it was 1953. And her medal that she received for being a champion, her prized possession, she gave it to me. And she's like, giving it to me to let me know that it's not just faces in the crowd. It's, it's not just these masses that we see in these crusades and these camps. It's just not just giving away soccer balls and Bibles and T-shirts and meals and renting soccer stadiums and renting buses. It literally comes down to the individual. And I'm so glad that I have that medal and a few other things that people have given me. So I will never forget that it's not about the numbers. It's about the individual that God used us. And so thank you for helping us as we continually strive to take it to another level. And we thank you so much. I want you to stand for the reading of God's word, if you would please, this morning morning and I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. How many have your amens ready to go this morning? Amen. amen. I, I, I think you can even pull up an amen at 945 in the morning. Amen. I was telling pastor, I said, there's even some churches that we do uh, that have three Sunday morning services. Uh, in fact, uh, one time in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, the, uh, a, a country that is uh, predominantly Buddhist, uh, they have a, a church that reaches around 4,000 people, a Pentecostal church, and they have seven services on Sunday. Uh, so, and, and Dr. Cho's church in 
Seoul, South Korea. I've had the chance to, to attend there. I didn't speak there, but I attended there. And uh, they have uh, seven services with 20,000 in each service. So I, I think we got a goal to shoot for, Pastor, right? Come on. Seven services on one Sunday. Pastor's like, some of those are going to be videotaped. I can assure you of that. And the worship team, like, can we get those, like, hologram things, you know, just project our image? And they're home drinking coffee and laying down. And, oh, yeah, I was there. Didn't you see me? So, praise God. Well, Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Then Jesus told them, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Father, speak to us. May you just take this time, prepare every heart to receive what you have laid upon our hearts. God, you challenge us on Friday night. God, to understand the importance of, of reaching those people around us. God, last night, you reminded us that you can come get us out of any prison. No matter how deep and dark and long you've been in that prison, you set some people free last night. But God, you were wanting to take the body of Christ to another level. And I truly believe as this new beginning, as this uh, fresh vision is, Lord, literally playing out, God, today is a divine day in our lives. And I pray right now that whatever way and things that are on our minds this morning, I pray for the next few moments that you would literally saturate every heart and every mind with this truth, with this word of God. God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do this day for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. You may be seated. Um, as God was speaking to me about today, he reminded me of this moment because I think a lot of times when we've had a weekend like this in which we have just been at church every day. In fact, I, I, uh, I kind of compare it to as teenagers when they go off to youth camp. When you go off to youth camp, you, you come back and you are on fire. I mean, you're reading your Bible every day. You're turning the TV off. You're turn, turning the radio off. You, you, I mean, you're, you've been hanging around with Christians. You've been in the services. I mean, you've been in the altar. I mean, you've spent more time with God and other Christians in that one week than maybe you do in an entire year. And the outside ungodly influences are all back home and you've been there just saturated with the presence of God. And when we have these times, this incredible time that we've had this weekend, uh, the, the idea that we're gonna, we're gonna be so excited about this. Man, we're in this new transition. We're stepping out in vision. Well, what we have to understand as the body of Christ, as high as we are, as excited as we are, as locked in as we are with God, 
There is an enemy that wants to trip you up and take you down and discourage you. And one of the key strategies of the enemy is to use when we fail God, when we sin, when we mess up, that's when the flesh and Satan get involved to try to trip you up because the enemy wants to tell you, you didn't change. Nothing happened. Look, you did the exact same thing that you gave to God in an altar of prayer. Because the strategy that the enemy uses is condemnation. So, I want you to look at these, this account of Jesus, and I want you to see it for what it is. This is the way I like to describe it. I don't know if you're familiar with Master's Commission, but Master's Commission is an intense discipleship for people once they get to college age. Uh, a lot of times they'll, they'll do that instead of college because you can get college credit, or, but it's, it's intense discipleship and training and ministry. And so what I like to refer to the original 12 disciples in the three and a half years with Jesus is the original Master's Commission. Because it was being led by Jesus Christ himself. Amen? And so how many would agree with me this morning that the most incredible, amazing, intense discipleship program ever in history was the one led by Jesus? It doesn't get any better than that. You, you cannot have a better teacher than Jesus, right? So the disciples, and I want to talk about two disciples this morning because they represent all of us. Judas and Peter. And you see, we all think about, well, they had in common that they were 12 disciples. They were one of the original 12 disciples. They walked with Jesus. So they saw Jesus every day. Can you imagine having that access? I mean, way before Google and being, Jesus was the walking Google. Right? I mean, you could ask Jesus anything. I mean, you didn't have to have a search engine. You didn't have to have a Wi-Fi signal. I mean, literally, the disciples just hanging out all the time, three and a half years, camping out, going places. They're around Jesus all the time. How many would agree with me that it doesn't get any better with someone teaching you than Jesus Christ being the one that teaches you? So how many would agree with me? It was a perfect discipleship program because it came out of Jesus. So tell me how on graduation night... That his star pupil failed. You know what graduation night was for him? The night that Jesus got arrested. I mean, this is the night that Jesus is ready to release his students. This is the night for you to shine. We're going to go back into the world this week. We're going to go to school. We're going to go to work. We're going to go back to our families. We're going to go back to our neighborhoods. We're, we are on top. So how do we get to the place where we have just had the most amazing three and a half years with Jesus Christ? And yet, as we just read, Peter being the, you know, that, that straight A student that we all couldn't stand in school. They messed up the curve every time. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they messed up everything. I mean, they were always quick to answer, and you know, like, you're back there, like, I don't, I don't even have hands array, man. You can't call on me, you know? I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, every time, didn't matter. Always, and some of you are like, I was that guy, you know? 
Well, I don't know your world. I do not know that world. Uh, and so Peter was like that. He was like, oh, yeah, Jesus, I know you're saying that for everybody else's benefit, that everybody's going to fail you and let you down. But not me. Uh-uh. I am star pupil. Remember, Jesus? I am the only other person on the face of the planet besides you, Jesus, that walked on water. Thank you very much. I will not fail you. How many knows it's that very moment that we say we will not fail God that we failed him because we just started lying. And Jesus was like, oh yeah, Peter. Oh, Jesus, even if it required me dying for you, I would not fail you. And within a matter of hours... Standing around a campfire in front of someone he did not know, had no influence in his life whatsoever. He cussed them out. He denied he ever knew Jesus. And he got angry and mad that anybody would associate him to be a Christian. Star pupil went through the most amazing discipleship, went to church all the time. Went to discipleship. Went to prayer. What's missing? What's missing? Judas. Look at Judas. Judas was just that one always on the outside. Always a rebel. Always doing things. He had the, you know, he dealt with the money. Had all that temptation. And let's be honest, let's think about this. Because as a child, as I was growing up and I learned the story of Judas, I said, God, that's not fair. Anybody else ever done that? Like, you looked at that story. Because how many knows that I would always say, Jesus, you you prophesied that somebody had to betray you. And that's so unfair that Judas had to be the one. Because it was my sin that put you on the cross. It was my betrayal. You know what Jesus said? He said, I only foretold of his betrayal. I never condemned him to death. Do you know? There was forgiveness for Judas if he would have allowed himself to get to that place of restoration. See, if there was no forgiveness for Judas, then there's no forgiveness for us. Because if it's not for everybody, it's not for anybody. I looked at that many times. It's like, God, this is not fair. And so God showed me, uh, you you know what Satan wants to do when we fail God, when we sin? Let me bring it to you, make it really real. Remember when we were kids and mama, dad were out for the evening, went out on a date or whatever. And we're back home and we get to doing things and... Maybe we invite somebody over that we weren't supposed to invite over. Maybe we watch TV all three hours and we're supposed to do our homework. Maybe we met, we got to messing with things and chocolate sauce is all over the couch and, you know, ketchup. But we were eating where we were not supposed to. And we flipped the cushion thinking that mom will never know. You know, we, 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 we tell, you know, our mom or dad, yeah, I'm just going to go out, hang out with a friend and I want to spend the night, but actually you're skipping out to go to some place you're not supposed to go to. You know, those things. What happens when you did something wrong that you knew you would be in trouble with your parents? Who's the last people you want to see? 
Your parents. So what do you do when they get home? You make yourself scarce. They're not going to see you. See, that was always the time that I had pieces of paper that I would post on my door. Praying, do not enter. (laughs) Those are the times that I would paste scriptures. Jesus is quick to forgive. (laughs) Quick to love. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Uh, when I repent to Jesus, he forgives and forgets, and he casts it into the sea of forgetfulness. Mom and dad, be more like Jesus. See, one of the great strategies of Satan is, if you do something during the week, he wants to convince you that the last place you should be is in church. But then the reality is, that's the exact place you should be. Because God desires to be close to you. But why does that work? There are people that won't come to church this morning because they did something last night, Saturday night, out doing things that they know they shouldn't be, and they're feeling guilty this morning. Let me tell you, God never uses guilt. Because guilt pushes you away from God. Guilt tells you how bad of a person you are. Guilt reminds you of all the times you've done the same exact sin. It tells you how bad you are. It tells you we'll never get over this. It tells you all these things. God does not use guilt and condemnation. He uses conviction. And the difference between condemnation and conviction is condemnation pushes you away from God, but conviction pulls you to God. That's why we need the body of Christ. That's why we need church. That's why we need accountability. That's why we need the loving, caring relationship that we can have in the body of Christ. And that's the number one reason why when we do things wrong and we fail God, that we need to get to the church the fastest we can. Get involved. And you think about this. You look at this scenario that... Happen. I don't want you to think about this. Uh, how do we get to that place that we know that God is going to give us the strength that when we face temptation, that we don't fall into it? Um, one time we were doing a soccer salvation camp in Macapá, Brazil. How many have been to Macapá, Brazil? Yes, I see those hands. <laughs> Except my wife that's being a smart aleck down here and raising her hand. Um, Macapá, Brazil is at the entrance of the Amazon River in northern Brazil. Um, one day during the day, they took us to see some sights and they brought us to a fort that... Unlike America, they gave us full access to. Anybody could just walk out there. There was no admittance fee. There, you know, there's no things that keep you away from things. You could crawl in anywhere, go anywhere. 
They had those really cool, I mean, this is the ultimate paintball fort. I mean, this is cool. I mean, the walls were like, I mean, just so, so thick. The doors were so, so thick. They had those little, you know, gun little turret things at the top that you could kind of hide into and just put your gun or your, you know, your bow and arrow or whatever they use in the Amazon. Uh, and this most amazing fort has an incredible, incredible experience of being a fort that never once fired one bullet or one cannonball. Never once did they ever engage in a battle with the enemy. See, it was a strategic place that if the enemy could get past this point and into the Amazon... It would take them all the way into the interior of Brazil. And so the enemy would have access to the country where they didn't want that to happen. So they built this most amazing fort that was so intimidating and so secure that not one enemy ever engaged. And you say, well, Ron, that's not possible. Well, let me tell you, let me, let's look at Peter. Because see, what's common about these disciples is both betrayed. But there was two outcomes that were totally different. Now, the guy that denied Jesus Christ three times in one night, cussed someone out, got angry, said, I never knew Jesus, don't accuse me of being a Christian. About 50 days later, Guess who Jesus chose to be the keynote speaker on the day of Pentecost and start the early church? Peter. I mean, sure, he qualified, right? On graduation night, he just blows it. Tells, no, I don't know Jesus. Get out of here, man. I, I'm not. So what's the difference? Why did Peter get chosen for one of the most amazing moments in history and yet he was the one that blew it. Well, it's called a Holy Spirit makeover. See, the Holy Spirit makeover, they went up to the upper room spa and had an encounter with God and all of his power and all of his majesty. And the way that we overcome those areas in our lives that the enemy wants to push us away and push us against is that we got to get to that place that we realize that Coming to church is just not enough. Coming, coming to, uh, to an activity is not just enough. We have got to go to the next level with God. And the way that we go to the next level with God is that we seek after His Spirit, His power, His truth, and His Word. Now, when you think about the differences of Peter and Judas, is it comes down to this. When Jesus was resurrected after being in the grave for three days, we know one account of Scripture that took place. And we know that because Jesus had an encounter with Peter. Now, you can imagine when Jesus was raised from the dead, knowing that Peter betrayed him, Judas betrayed him, 
His greatest desire was to let those men know we're okay. I took care of it. Can't you imagine? He's like, anybody seen Peter? Have you seen Peter? I, I got to find Peter. I-, I cannot imagine how guilty he is feeling. I mean, he betrayed me. He denied he even knew me. He got mad. He got angry. I got to find Peter. I got to let him know. And he finally finds Peter. And Peter, what does Jesus not do? Satan wants you to think this. What did we not read in the Bible? It did not read like Jesus saw Peter and come here so I can slap you. (laughs) You sorry piece of trash. I am sorry that I ever invited you into the original 12 disciples. I even let you walk on water. Man, you betrayed me. You sorry piece of junk. Get out of my sight. I poured three and a half years into you. I poured my heart out. I went to the cross for you. And look, I just needed you one night to stand with me. You didn't even know her. She was a servant's girl. You know what? Many times it's what Jesus did not say that is as powerful as what he did say. If we did a parenting 101 class, you would tell every parent the worst thing that you can do when your child disappoints you and disobeys you is to start telling them, you're a piece of trash, you're such a, you know, oh my goodness, I can't even stand you, just get out of my face. You know what? When I became a dad, I, I, I said I was going to learn from the way my dad disciplined. And See, my house growing up, it was get out the belt, and while he was the angriest, just start wailing. And so you know what happened in our house? It was a house of such upheaval. There was no love. You know what happened? The moment that that took place, people would run out the out of the house. They would run to their door, their bedroom, and slam the door. There wasn't a time of sitting down and saying, "Here, I love you. You're my son. You're my child. You're my daughter." Satan wants you to think that because you did something bad. That Jesus looks down at you as a big disappointment. But the reality is, the reason he even looks at you is because he knows he already took care of what he needs to take care of because he's already taken care of your forgiveness. He's shown you the ultimate love. So what did Jesus say? He said, Peter, do you love me? Do you know what the number one thing that breaks our heart when we disappoint? Maybe our spouse, maybe our child, maybe a family member, a friend, a coworker, someone we go to church with. 
Oh man, I don't want them to think that just because I did that, that I don't love them because I do love them. That's why I'm feeling so bad. Feeling bad and condemned and guilty will not help you get to heaven. There's got to be another way and there is. What did Jesus say to Peter? Peter, do you love me? Oh Lord, you know I love you. Once again, Peter, do you love me? Oh God, I know, please, you gotta know I love you. I feel horrible. Feed my sheep. A third time. Peter, do you love me? Lord, I love you with everything within me. Feed my sheep. One of the great strategies of the enemy to keep you out of ministry and getting involved in church in some area of giving and serving is because you don't think you qualify because of all the things that you've done wrong and in your past and in your history and the sins you've committed. But in reality, Jesus is only looking that you will give him a chance to restore you to that place with his love and his forgiveness. And what he will say is what he said to Peter. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Okay, then go do what I've called you to do. Quit disqualifying yourself from getting involved because of something you did 20 and 30 years ago or what you did last week because the reality is you got it under the blood, then it's gone. Jesus keeps wondering, what in the world are you talking about? Because that is cast from the east is to the west to the sea of forgetfulness. Feed my sheep. (laughs) Go do what I called you to do. Well, uh, think about this. After you had a time with Peter, can't you imagine? I got to find Judas. Anybody seen Judas? I gotta find Judas. He's gotta really be feeling bad. Where's Judas? Have you seen Judas? Anybody seen Judas? Seriously, I need to find Judas. I mean, this is so important. I'm feeling something in my heart. Anybody see? Wait, what, what'd you say? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, how did he miss for three and a half years? How did he ever miss that I don't love him no matter what? No, I was the only one that was supposed to hang on a tree this weekend. Christ died. So you don't have to. Christ forgives. The only difference between Peter and Judas. Both betrayed. But only one experienced the forgiveness that both of them had access to. God loves you. I want everybody to stand with me if you would please. Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord. That in your infinite 
kindness and mercy. Lord, I don't know who's here this morning and who this may be for. But I do know that you're here. Lord, there's so many people in our community that have not been to church for a long time because they don't think that they deserve Christ. They don't think they deserve His forgiveness. They don't think the church would want them. God, it is pastor's desire, it is this church's desire, Lord, that this church will be the church that the ones in our communities that do the worst things would be the ones that know that they're welcome in this house God we come against the strategy of the enemy to use guilt and condemnation to push us away from Christ. God, yes, we fail. Yes, we mess up. No, God will never bless that. And there's always a price to pay for our sin. But that does not condemn us. And God never uses guilt Lord, I'm reminded in the Psalms of King David. He had one of the most profound statements in the Bible when he said, the Lord not only forgives us of our sin, but he also forgives us of our guilt. God, there are things in my life, Lord, that I'm so ashamed of. Things I've done. Moments I let you down and disappointed you. And God, thank you so much for being willing to put this story in the Bible because you weren't afraid of the message that it would send. Because the ultimate message of sharing two of your closest disciples failed. They blew it. But that did not mean they were no longer open to forgiveness and salvation. No, for they are the exact representation of everyone in this room. I come against the strategy of the enemy to use guilt and condemnation to push people away from God. That would push people away from church. I pray, God, that we would represent your love. With your heads bowed, I just want to quickly ask right now. Are you here today? And you would say, Ron, this message really spoke to me. Because the enemy's trying to use things in my past. He's trying to remind me of things I've done wrong. How in the world could God use me? How could anyone love me? How could Christ love me when he knows more than anybody the things I've done that I'm not proud of? And you would say... I don't want to end up like Judas giving up, giving up hope. I want to be like Peter. I want to have the chance to stand in front of Jesus and say, Oh, Jesus, I love you. 
right where you're standing. We're going to pray for you. And I want you to let God know you're serious. You are, you are tired of the guilt and the condemnation. You're tired of being reminded of your past. God wants to set you free. God wants to touch you today. God wants to save you. God wants to overcome that. There are Christians here that are dealing with guilt and condemnation this morning. There are people here maybe that do not know Christ. Forgiveness is for all. All that will allow themselves to come into the presence of Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And with open arms, no matter what you've done, he'll say, I forgive you and I love you. You are my child.